Welcome to Center Stage with international opera star Pamela Kuhn. And now, here is your host, Pamela Kuhn. Good morning, everyone, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. I have mentored a great many people in my life, but one stands out very clearly. Ben Woodward, chorus master, orchestral conductor, vocal coach, keyboard artist, and opera impresario. He first came into my realm roughly 15 years ago. Having just graduated from Trinity College, Cambridge in England, he had just landed a sweet job in Greenwich, that of organ scholar at Christ Church. He went on to follow his life's true calling, which seems to be producing great musical masterworks and bringing them to life. From Bach's St. John Passion to Wagner's Goethe Dämmerung, Ben Woodward has his finger on the pulse of what makes him tick and what the audience desires. Large-scale works with great singing, lush orchestra, and a ticket price that we can all afford. Living in London now, he follows through with his vision as the founder and artistic director of Fulham Opera, the smallest professional opera company in England, a group he started to fulfill his dream of large-scale works of the 19th and 20th century on small budgets. The singing remains on the highest standard, and the productions are clever. Much like what we are seeing here in Brooklyn with Loft Opera, Fulham Opera is a view to the future of the art form. And here is why I champion young Ben Woodward. This quote is from Charlotte Valori in the Bach Track Review of Fulham Opera's Ring Cycle. And I quote, Ben Woodward has done something amazing in Fulham. Whether you have never seen a Wagner opera before, never seen an opera at all, or seen Der Ring des Nibelungen 20 times in the major opera houses of the world, you have to see this. It is simply staged, brilliantly sung, and terrifyingly, spine-shimmeringly powerful. Be warned, it may change your perception of Wagner forever. Fulham Opera produces a ring of eye-watering clarity, raw beauty, and visceral power. And of the recent production of Verdi's Simon Bocanegra, Peter Reed in Opera Magazine says, Among the London opera groups, Fulham Opera is the five-year-old upstart punching way above its weight, with a complete ring cycle and some major Verdi and Puccini already under its belt. Its austere, impressive staging of Simon Bocanegra was in the same league. And I have to add that Ben continues to remain a servant to singing. He offers orchestral study days within Fulham Opera. Singers are invited to sign up to sing the roles that they may not have the opportunity to sing with full orchestra in a non-pressured work environment. He constantly makes it possible for the members of his company to have a fulfilling performing experience, whether they are being coached by him or living an operatic role that they might not otherwise have the chance to do. I don't know who benefits more, the singers or the audience members who get to share in this interesting endeavor. And then there is the Fulham Opera Verdi Prize competition, which is held biannually. The innovation continues with Mr. Woodward. But I also have on center stage this morning one of his singers, a young tenor by the name of Ted Black, who is still an undergrad at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland, but he's making waves there, winning first place in the Governor's Recital Prize for Chamber Music, and he's represented the RCS in the Kathleen Ferrier Bursary Competition. 
Ted is equally at home on the operatic stage and on the concert platform. I predict he is going to be one of the stars of the future in the world of singing. He is an elegant young man with a maturity that is far beyond his young years. Ben Woodward and Ted Black, it is a delight to have you both with me t- today on Center Stage. Good morning, Pamela. Thank you so much. And finally, I'm getting a show devoted solely to music with my musicians here. I'm so thrilled. <laughs> it's great to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So as faithful listeners to this show will already know, Ben, this is not your first time on Center Stage. In fact, I think this is your third. Has anyone else been here three times? I don't know. (laughs) Yes. Oh, okay. Well, not unique after after all. There we are. Uh, It's a sign of how popular you are, very sweet of you. And how well you've done. Um, Can you tell our listeners why you're here right now? Um, I'm here uh, to... We're um, partly on vacation, to be honest, but uh, I'm giving some concerts with the New Baroque soloists in Salisbury and Washington, Connecticut, on Wednesdays and Fridays, um, for whom I play continue. Going back to my roots as a harpsichordist, um, doing a bit of that, uh, playing with some fantastic musicians, who some of whom are members of the Met Orchestra, others are in the Boston Symphony, um, lots of people like that. Um, and we're just doing a lot of Bach and Telemann and Handel and sort of... Having spent my entire summer, um, well, time before summer, doing, uh, what were we doing, Verdi, Strauss, Wagner. The lighter uh, things. Just, just the lighter <laughs> end of the, uh, of the 19th century canon. Uh, to go back to Baroque music is, uh, is a, a kind of summer of, of gentle music making. And because you speak so fast, I'm just going to say that again. The new Baroque The new soloist. Baroque soloist, as you say, an American. And, and, and <laughs> that, and this is your home away from home, Ben. Oh, I know. I know. And, and where are you performing? Isn't it up around Washington, Connecticut? So um, on a Wednesday, we're performing at 5 o'clock uh, in Salisbury, Connecticut, uh, mm-hmm. at St. John's Church on Main Street. Uh, and on a Friday, we're performing at uh, the Congregational Church on Kirby Street in Washington, Connecticut, Connecticut at 5.30. Nice. So, And this week, it's uh, 10 pieces doing uh, quite a lot of Bach and uh, those kind of things. Is there a way people can get tickets? Is there a website? Uh, the concerts in Salisbury are free of charge. Turn up and enjoy. Uh, the concerts in Washington are, um, I think they're $30 on the door. Okay. Uh, it's the Northwest Music Association, I think. Of Washington Friends of Music is the one in Washington. That's right. And are you serving pims in the intervals? So we can uh, no, there are lots, lots of field? lots of strawberries and, and fizz afterwards. <laughs> so, cream, strawberries and fizz. Full Grindborn experience. <laughs> full Grindborn experience. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, that's a good thing to have in Connecticut. Yeah, right. Is this this is a yearly project you do with Doug Myers, the trumpeter? Right? It is. Doug, Doug's a, a trumpeter and a sort of scholar of Baroque music. Uh, the two of us together, we put a, put um, we take pieces of music that aren't for those forces necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, like cantata movements, and we rearrange them so that the group can play them because it's all great music. Uh, so we kind of do our own arrangements of those things. Um, and Doug plays the trumpet and the uh, piccolo French horn, and you know we make quite a wonderful sound. Your own arrangements—that's time-consuming. It is. I do a lot of the arranging thing. So that's fantastic. And Ted Black. Hi. <laughs> How did you come to be in America? So, uh, so as you said, I'm about to start my last year of my undergraduate program back in Glasgow, Scotland. Um, and there's sort of a trend at the moment where all the great singers in Europe singing the huge roles are all Americans. And American singers are regarded as having exceptional singing technique. Um, so for me, it's been something I've been interested in in a while, maybe for a while, maybe coming here to do a grad program. Mm-hmm. 
um, which would be next September. So I'm here sort of exploring the scene and having lessons with people such as your good self. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm only here for a week, but with a view to come back for a longer term. And, and you're journeying into New York and feeling out everyone there and yeah. discovering and... And auditioning, basically. Yeah, really. absolutely. I mean, it's it's my first time outside Europe ever, so it's a bit of a baptism of fire of <laughs> straight to New York City. <laughs> a fine singer like yourself is not going to have a big problem. <laughs> ben, tell us more about Fulham Opera. I'm I really want my listeners to know how Fulham Opera this the the little opera company that could yeah mm. yeah very much how so. it's done it and how you've received these great reviews was there a cathartic moment that kind of started this off for you well it was a it was kind of almost a funny story we did um, back in uh, Christmas 2010 we did a mile and the night visitors as part of the kind of church music mm-hmm. program um, as little opera by Minotti tells the story of the uh, the three kings visit to a small boy's house. Um, and uh, my late friend Robert Presley said uh, he was singing the, s- the middle of those three kings. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Melchior. Melchior, yes. He'd done, um, he'd done uh, Jamon uh, and Rigoletto and Boger, things like that. And he was like, yeah, come and, uh, come and, come and do this. And um, he said at the end of it, hey, this is a great thing. Um, I want to sing Alberich. Let's do Rheingold. <laughs> Wagner. <laughs> let's do. It's like so. We're going from Minotti. Yeah. And to says, Wagner. Let's 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 start the ring. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, so um, and the stupid thing, if you say something like that to me, and I will spot a good idea when I see one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, we can do this. And so we put on Rheingold um, in the summer of 2011. Um, I got a, a director who I work with, a lady called Fiona Williams. It's, she came up with this concept of doing it in Dallas. So Votan was J.R. Ewing. I love it. And um, Fricker was... It. What's the name? Miss Ellie. Mi- um, <laughs> Fricker was... No, it's... What's, what's her name? Who was the sort of wife? Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen. That's <laughs> right. The one that was always whining. Yeah, that would be Fricker. That would be Fricker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Friar was a cowgirl in a big pink I hat. Love it. Um, and uh, the giants <coughs> were in suits with massive baseball baseball bats. Oh my gosh. So it was How um clever. So the whole thing worked out really well and it was a totally unexpected success. Mm-hmm. Um, both artistically and indeed financially surprisingly. <laughs> um, everyone walked away with some money which we wow. totally didn't expect. Not very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about 100 pounds per person. Mm-hmm. But um so that happened, and it kind of set this ball rolling. Um, the Vung Society of London got interested in us and brought people to see it. And the problem is, when you do a Rheingold, you kind of start something. Uh-huh. You kind of have to then <laughs> go onwards, and these operas get bigger and more complicated. Mm-hmm. And I remember one gentleman who came to me in the interval of... Uh, Interval of the Rheingold, which we put in. He said, um, I'm from the London Gay Men's Chorus. If you get as far as go to Denrung, we should be your vassals. You're kidding. They uh, actually offered their services Well, he way? did, yes. Um, so, and that was... that. How so fantastic. So we get, we get as far, and, and so we went on and did uh, Valkyrie in 2012, Siegfried in 2013, and then 
go to Denmark at the end of 2013, which was just this massive thing. And at some point towards the be- in the beginning of 2013, I remember having a phone call from Fiona, the director, and she said, why don't we actually do this as a cycle? We could do this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We, so the four operas are su- sort of supposed to be performed in a week, mm-hmm. says, which is just a massive undertaking, <laughs> um, has killed opera companies in the past. Yes, indeed. Um, and we went for it. And it was like, so we set it up. I remember I was in New York in the summer of 2013 writing out the schedule for this thing four different <laughs> colours for the four different <laughs> operas and so sort of how we're going to rehearse this and put this together so um, we started it um, just before my birthday in the February of 2014 we did the Rheingold on the Sunday Valkyrie on the Tuesday um, Siegfried on the Friday and then Goethe Denrong finished on the, sun- on the Sunday next and we did that and then the following, then we had six days off and did it again. Oh, my gosh. And for, the, for that second, so I had an assistant. We had several assistants. I mean, you get people on board for this. Sure. But in the second week of that, I was like, well, this is an opportunity. I'm going to play all four operas. Because we did them with piano plus um, there was a horn, there was a flute, uh, there was a harp in Goethe Denmark just to add a bit of, bit of flavour. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I played all four operas in a week. Um, <laughs> just what, I, I, hours of music I can't get my head around the fact that you actually scaled down this massive orchestra with yeah. these players, yeah. yet you got the most glowing reviews for what you did in small scale. It was it was quite extraordinary, and I know I, I play down the musical aspect of it because it was a huge thing, and everyone sure. sang so so well. Mm-hmm. But what we do is we give. I mean, the church can only hold about 120 in the audience. Mm-hmm or indeed congregation, if you're feeling you know, ecclesiastical. And um, so we did the... It creates this very intimate environment to sure. do it. Um, and The Ring is a terrifying story. It's very convoluted. You know, why are the golden apples going on? What are these giants doing here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of evil thing going on in the person of Hagen towards the end. What is going on and what is The Ring anyway? But if you've got it right next to you and the singers are as close as we are now mm-hmm. with entertaining surtitles, which I also wrote, uh, entertaining, the, you know, they're in colloquial modern English, um, then people really got the story and really delved into the way the story was working. And, you know, when the, when the London Gay Men's Chorus surrounded <laughs> the audience with our hi-ho, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it was quite the most remarkable experience. The whole thing was a wonderful thing. So colourful. And you, you said it before, this can bring a major opera house down, actually. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they can lose money, kind of overstretching sometimes in productions. You kept it simple, clever, and it just worked. It just up by the skin of our teeth. It was one of the most stressful things I've ever tried to do. <laughs> Um, but it did work. It I, I could just see you not sleeping for several weeks. L- lots of sleep was lost. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I should say Ted sang in the uh, in the Vassals Chorus. I did indeed. And Ted tasted a line. And you had another role uh, in the way you met Ben. You were actually a cellist. You, yes. Uh, let's get this straight. You're actually an accomplished pianist and a cellist as well. Yes. You I, came to I, play I, for Ben. I did for for Ben's Johnny Skiki, which was twenty twelve. I think twenty twelve. Um, and then we, we got on very well, and I can't quite remember how it happened, but suddenly I ended up assistant stage managing Die Walküre the following year, 
and then stage managing Siegfried the year after that, and then singing in Gotterdammerung, <laughs> and yeah, it was. Oh, my protege! Wild. <laughs> my protege! And and he is now. Then you turned your sights to singing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What was it? Were you just sitting in the orchestra pit and thought, I can do this? Well, it was something that um, that I was interested in for quite some time. My cousin is an opera director. And when I was, I think, 14, I went to assist him as sort of a school oh. work experience thing. You got the bag. Um, yeah, in a Handel opera that he was directing at the Royal College of Music. And I was only there for two weeks sort of making tea. And, <laughs> and that was the extent of my entire job. But I completely loved it and fell in love with it, and singing was this magical new thing. I think people um, are going to fall in love with you as a singer. <laughs> you know, let's listen to the beautiful sound of Ted Black right now. Here is the haunting Strauss song, Traum durch die Dämmerung. Ted, can you lead us through the story behind this song? Yeah, so Traum durch die Dämmerung means dream through the twilight. Um, and it's the, it's the story of a man sort of calling out to the woman that he loves, and them taking this sort of existential journey through what he calls the land of love. Wonderful. Let's listen to the luscious sound of Ted Black.
that's Ted Black and Richard Strauss, a good pairing, Ted. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, you know, you're now approaching your final year at yes. the Royal Conservatoire uh, in Scotland. You've won several competitions and placed in many. You're standing out as a great talent to reckon with. Now it's moving forward, and you're embracing New York. Yes, what, yeah, that's what are, the plan. What are the challenges now that are going to face you as a young singer? So at the moment, I mean, the, the big challenge is being trying to avoid being paralyzed by indecision when oh. there are so many possible things to do. Yeah. Trying to work out point. what's right for me as a person mm-hmm. rather than sort of um rather than sort of flailing about aimlessly, you know? That's actually a really good point to bring up. I, I think for every young singer this is a big problem. Mm. You, it's like a deer caught in the headlights, so yeah. to speak. And you have to keep moving. Absolutely. So and part of that is finding the right teacher, isn't mm. it? Completely. This Completely. is this is very difficult. It's like finding the perfect shoes to wear for the rest of your life. I <laughs> Absolutely. mean I love it that. has to be <laughs> someone who can jive with you. Um, <clears throat> so both of you here, okay, it's semi-serious, but we're having a good time, too, right? <laughs> we try, absolutely. So what do you guys do for fun to kind of come down <laughs> off the whole music high? Go on, Ted. I mean, <laughs> realistically, I tend not to come down off the music high. My, I mean, at this point, what I do for fun is also what I do for work, which is amazing. I mean, when I'm not singing, I'm watching opera, I'm listening to opera. It's sort mm-hmm. of all-consuming, really. Mm-hmm. That's marvelous. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. That's yeah. wonderful. But you are a big fan of Absolutely Fabulous, too. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and it's an 80s British comedy. It's, it's a classic. Believe me, RuPaul's we love it here, too. RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> and, and Ben, uh, I catch this rumor that you're a fan of Formula oh, One I, I racing. I follow the Formula One in a kind of, uh, uh, yes, oh, Yes, I follow a bit of that. A kind of obsessional way, maybe. I mean, I'm not quite sure. I did, uh, so um, my in-laws bought me a, a track day the, um, for my birthday oh, this fabulous. year. Fabulous. And I drove an Audi R8 around Brands Hatch Racecourse. Brands just around, Hatch? Just around, not too uh, shabby. And I tell you what, I was absolutely rubbish at it. <laughs> <laughs> I was absolutely terrible. The whole concept of driving a really fast car around a track, it looks so easy, and I was terrible at it. And suddenly it was intimidating. It's like getting up in front of the orchestra for, to conduct Rosencavalier, right? A little bit. Um, how fast? How fast did you go? How fast did you go? Uh, on the straight, apparently, I managed about 120 miles an hour. That's not bad. But in, in the amount of time you get, you only get about six laps around Brands Hatch, which is about 1.2 miles, I think. And did uh, you keep a good line? Were I'd, you tight? Well, this is the thing. It's extraordinarily <laughs> difficult to do. And, you know, it's got a stupid flappy paddle gearbox thing. And you're always in the wrong gear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in this car. That, you know, uh, do you know what? I was ju- I reckon given 20 or 30 laps, I think I'd have been fine. <laughs> but, um, but on six laps, no. In an Audi R8, I was rubbish. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, I still have pictures of me racing my Corvette down at English Town in New Jersey. Hey, oh. the, the diva I, I remember that Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> it was mean. It was. It, it was, was very a, you. That's it was for sure. fantastic. Uh, when when you guys are just relaxing, what kind of music do you like other other than classical? I listen to a lot of cheesy eighties pop. <laughs> I'm a really? great lover of George Michael. I'm a great lover of Grace Jones. You've got good taste, Ted. Thank you so much. I love it. Oh George Michael. He will oh, yeah. be missed. And Ben? Oh, I... Country Western, right? Because oh, <laughs> right, that's, that's very me, isn't it? Oh, 
a, ter- <laughs> a minor obsession, uh, a very small obsession with 60s, uh, 60s rock and roll, perhaps. But uh, hmm. it's uh, all great. My, my lady wife has introduced me to the, the works of Prince and those kind of things. So, That's fantastic. Uh, but, uh, it, yes, as Ted said, work and hobby kind of all come into one big thing. And one just finds oneself listening to opera at the gym. I mean, it's, the st- <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, what's going to make you work harder? Sixties rock and roll, or the works of Richard Wagner, or, so. or Handel, Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I love it. And I still have an arrangement you made for me of a couple of Beatles songs for my choir. Beatles and a couple of Beach Boys songs. Yes, wasn't it? yes, for yes. Ladies Voice Choir, I did. Yes. It was fantastic. It still is. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to ask both of you what one word sums you up, I mean, what one word can really encapsulate your personality, Ted, where you are right now? Um, I like to think, I like to think conscientious would be one. Mm-hmm. Um, you I'm work sort of, terribly hard. I do try to work <laughs> terribly hard. Oh, you do. Hard. <laughs> you, yeah. you, yeah, you have a. a quite a bit of integrity in your work um that sounds so safe though well, i mean when when opera is um is the hobby and and the the goal you know it's mm-hmm. it's quite easy to to work hard mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> wonderful ben well, well, well i'm almost scared here well i'm, I'm just gonna say, I'm just say vicious enthusiasm actually. that's two that's two vicious I, i'm going to allow myself an adjective hyphenated <laughs> I would say that's very true. Yeah, let you know. Uh, I really have this can-do attitude about it all, which is how. Yeah, you do. Fulham Opera has come about. It's not like you know. Oh no, we should stop. We should pu- we should postpone. We should you know. We don't have enough time. Yes, we do. Never. Yeah, you're really great yeah. about that. You're it's so like, hands-on, and you're very calm and strong at the same time, oh. which is like incredibly important for every opera house. Yeah. Well, just to try and drag it together, this thing of you know. Oh, we, we're not ready yet. We should we should postpone. We should we should rethink yep. our entire thing. We need to restructure. We need to do this. It's like no, we don't. We no. need to put on music. We need to actually get the music mm-hmm. done. You're going you with know, your gut. That's the, great. The yeah. singers want to sing it. The orchestra want to play it. Mm-hmm. I want to conduct it. Let's let's do it. go. Let's, let's have go. a party. <laughs> let's put on a show. Yeah. I mean, inevitably, <laughs> we then lose thousands of pounds. <laughs> 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 but you've had a good time. Always. <laughs> and always. great reviews. Um, what's next for Fulham Opera? For Fulham Opera, um, well, the next thing is going to be uh, Lucia de la Memore, uh, mm-hmm. which, sadly, I'm not doing because I'm off to Germany. We haven't touched on that. But, oh, uh, yes. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to run off to Germany um, and do Dialogue of the Carmelites in Gelsenkirchen, which is near Dortmund. And it's uh, not... Uh, uh, a shabby opera now, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's quite a special piece of music. Um, you know, lots of dead nuns at the end. Quite a few. Uh, quite <laughs> a few. <laughs> um, oh, the music is so beautiful. And, uh, and the prize, of course, the Verdi Prize, um, on the 1st of October. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone can enter. We've had one American applicant so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no age limit. No age limit, which is one of the things. It's in memory of Robert, who I mentioned earlier about the, um, about the Rheingold. Robert was always complaining about, you know, oh, I'm too old for this, I'm too old for that. No, this is a prize which is very much about anyone can enter singing the works of Verdi and, you know, let's go for it. It's mm-hmm. going to be fantastic. So we're that looking forward to that. Just in line with everything that you do, Ben. That's so fantastic. Ted Black, I want to wish you the best in your career, which I think is going to be extraordinary. Thank you. Ben Woodward, thank you again. Come back next year for the fourth time. (laughs) I know Fulham Opera is going to continue to be a big success, and I want to thank you guys for being on Center Stage. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much. Have a great time. And the curtain is now down.
Where is Teddy Roosevelt when we need him? I say one company really does deserve to be chopped into little tiny pieces, and I didn't really care until I read this. I'll tell you why next on Dan's Life. A great radio show may sound like it's easy to make, but if you've ever tried, you know that's not the case. With the time spent engineering, producing, and archiving, you end up losing focus on what really matters, the content of your show. If you put your show on the Gab Radio Network, you'll be able to leave all those technical worries to our staff of highly trained engineers 